All right. Are you ready? Let's do it. Do you want to welcome it? Are you going to welcome it? Damn, <laughs> yes. did I mess it up? No, you just... <laughs> I think that's our front bumper right there. I'll just run that as awkward interplay between us. Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Fun Sexy Bible Time. I am Matthew, and I am host, and I am here with Jake. How's it going? I think, Jake, since this is the first podcast, you have to tell me, don't you have to take, like, 30 minutes of your first podcast and like break down your theory of new media and uh, your theory of podcasting and all that stuff. Yeah, that's how, that's how I typically structure things in the sort of um, most boring and least effective uh, way. I find that that if you do that up front, then you just lower your audience's expectations, but the ones who stick around tend to be a lot more loyal um, because they've seen you at your worst. So. Also, my dating strategy, circa 2000 to 2001. Right, right, right. Those were those were the golden years. Uh, <laughs> no, no. As they say, <laughs> the new millennium, or should I say, the new willennium. All right, so we're just gonna skip the uh, skip the big intro. I will say this though: uh, mm-hmm. new podcast. Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, I appreciate you, and I hope you feel like you are sitting here at the table with us, and you have part of the conversation. I would just like to say on that note, uh, real quick, if you don't mind, if I jump in, no, no, um, no. that I'm I'm really honored to be your very first guest. I know that you were the inaugural guest on Theology After Dark, which is my podcast, along with Rich Cook. Shout out to Rich. Um, and so basically I'm just really honored. I appreciate it. Well, Joyce Meyer turned me down. So at that that point it was you. So figured figured as much. I thought there was a story there, but no, she wouldn't let me sit on her. She wouldn't let me sit on her $10,000 toilet. So we had had a little bit of a falling out. Man, would she, yeah. I mean, sit on, like, would she have let you use it without sitting I don't think anyone's allowed to use the $10,000 toilet. I mean, I wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't use a $10,000 toilet if I had it. If, if you had it, what would you do with it if you had it? Uh, i just, like, put it in the living room, I guess, and, like, yeah. talk about it to people. Right. That's more like a, I think that's because you're kind of a abstract artist at your core. You just, you yeah. like to, <clears throat> no, I don't know what I'm saying. I, you know, like, uh, what's the... What was the big thing with the the stool with the bicycle wheel on it? You know what I'm talking about. I live in the backwoods of Alabama. Oh yeah, you, I forgot. You hey, just don't. You don't have art there. You can talk about football. I mean, I'm good. <laughs> I know about football. National could, champs, baby. I could talk a little bit about football. I think I've talked about football and theology after dark, and my attitude about it is like that of an angsty kid who felt like he was forced to play football in order to stay relevant in the high school ecosystem. So, you know, I have mixed feelings about it. To That's be the most millennial sentence that has ever been uttered. Ah, dude. Congratulations <laughs> for that. Okay. What if, what's the overlap between millennial and hipster? Uh, I don't know. Like I'm tail end of generation X. So I'm, my, like the generation X thing was like, you just, everything was earnest. Like you just earnest about everything. Like you know, all I think of when I hear Generation X is Pepsi, even though I think their marketing was Generation Next. Mm-hmm. But so I think of Pepsi. I think of you guys as the Pepsi kids. Well, you also have to wear navy at all times if you're if you're from the '90s. Oh, because that, that was the <laughs> was, denim decade. That was a strong color in the '90s. Yeah, everything was earth tones in the '90s. You had to wear oh. denim and then like 
olive and brown and tan. Like those, that was your palette in the night. Um, you know what I think is kind of one of the more weird and, uh, well, one of the things I really don't like about the nineties is a lot of the alternative rock, um, vocal like tone, like the, you know, like the, it's called a lot of different things now, but like, you know, I, I don't want to name specific bands cause I'm really, I'm really trying to insult the whole movement. So I don't want it to be specific to specific bands. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But it's that kind of like, even you know, like that, all that. Well, stuff. you just I, did Scott Stapp, so. See, you can distinguish it, and I didn't want you to do that. I wanted it to be a more blanket insult, but that's okay. We can. We How can... dare you insult my decade? But is that really is that core? Do you feel like that's core? In order for me to, because if if that is, then I just need to stop even trying to understand you people, because I I'm not gonna. There's not gonna be able. You know what I mean? Like, or is that just something peripheral that you're willing to admit? Like, okay, yeah, maybe they should have just sang with, uh, now, to me, like the, uh, to me, like the, the, the band of the nineties was gin blossoms because it's yeah. just something, something like sort of, was that Hey Jealousy? Yeah. Like, yeah something dude, just like goofily good. earnest about the gin blossoms. Like every song they sang, it was like, this is the most important song you will ever hear. Yeah, I like that. I I like that epicness of um because I feel like maybe compared to that, I think my the millennials are a lot more cynical and maybe a little bit less epic. But maybe that's not right. I don't know. Maybe that's just arbitrary. Yeah. Well, the millennials are they music is different with the millennials. I I, I don't understand. I don't understand the uh the EDM thing. I really don't. That's that's interesting. I could talk I could talk about that just because I was I hated pop music. Um, I did like when I was a teenager. What I think attracted me to EDM was like the European kind of like I wish you know like when I was in high school I really wanted to party at like a crazy European club. Um, So, but but I was always into like you know alternative like angsty emo and screamo and hardcore and well, you know all that why. stuff. You right. Know why. Because you don't play enough football. Right. It's true. I was, I didn't, that's true. Probably. I just, it was like a yin and a yang thing. I had to, I had to be balanced. So to the extent that I was kind of part of the status quo, I'm an athlete. I had to be equally part of the anti-establishment. <clears throat> that's what that's what I thought. what do you think about is that pretty profound you would say listen Jake everything you say is profound don't make me try to quantify <laughs> what's better than the next uh, I just assume that the next thing that comes out will be even more profound than the thing you just said no dude see, see now that you know that you know it's all a ruse it's just it's just a way of talking I'm not actually I'm not actually saying anything substantive all right well just let, let me introduce you to the people. And, and, yeah, go ahead. Did we have done that? Hour into the podcast. Let's go ahead and introduce you. Um, most people probably know you from Theology After Dark, um, mm. but you also have side projects going on. Um, you want to tell yeah. the people about what what you're doing with that? Uh, you want to tell the people what's going on with Theology After Dark? And you sure. Get on hiatus for a bit. And I know a lot sure. of people uh, miss hearing your podcast, myself included. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for that. Um, I think that, yeah, Rich and I have talked a lot about the next chapter of Theology After Dark, and I think overall, I mean, I'll say the feeling is very positive that 
you know, we that it represents something really interesting about evangelical culture. So, um, so we want to obviously keep that voice and like like going. Um, so yeah, we I don't know we we try not to. Rich is a really he's a really he's he's very artistic, and I think uh, I don't know, I don't know I'm just kind of trailing off here, but. Um, yeah, Theology After Dark, we it's a passion project. And so it's one of these things that we've kind of made a pact with each other to keep it a passion project. And so we neither of us the prop it's the reason we are so careful moving forward is that we have no clue what that even means. So we're just kind of fumbling in the dark trying to figure out how to talk about new topics. But then at the same time, you know, keep it all stripped down and I don't know what I'm saying. I, I don't want to announce anything that, you know, I, two weeks from now, everybody will be like, oh, Jake said on Matthew's podcast that he was going to have a new podcast up, and he doesn't. So I'm not going to make any promises like that. But I'm saying I think that the last year was really crazy. This is actually a good opportunity. I've been wanting to say this for a while. So here it comes. Last year was just so, so crazy with everything, and we had sort of made all these allegiances, and then suddenly, like, these organizations started just crumbling before our eyes, and then, you know... It was just a highly, highly emotional and conflict-ridden, riddled time. So um, I think we we both feel like we're really coming out of that. And then plus, I'm in law school right now, so I'm getting ready to sort of tie up the last few little things on that front, including the bar examination, which I'm freaking insecure about. But um, so anyway... Hopefully that goes somewhere else. I'm also trying to figure out what it means to live in the real world. So, you know, with jobs and such. So, uh, yeah. So I do have some side projects that are all pretty experimental um, and different. Like uh, I told you about, we're like doing something that's kind of like, a, well, I, so on the church front, we also have uh, Simul Church, which is a more serious voice. Um, compared to Theology After Dark, I like that Theology After Dark thinks of itself as the jester of evangelicalism a little bit, um, but also just, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know, Matthew, you got to jump in here, man. I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. Should I jump in? or do you, Yeah, do you, yeah, jump in. Say, give, we, me, we give me some Scott pushback Scott on anything I said. <laughs> what? How about some Scott Sapp? He's a lawyer. <laughs> he don't podcast no more. Mm. How about that? That's good, but that's what I was... <laughs> it was so funny because I was trying to say the opposite thing. I was trying to say, everyone, I'm a lawyer, but don't worry. I'll still be what I am to everyone else. Uh, I've actually got a lot more time these days. I mean, when I started Theology After Dark, my life was a sh- was a crazy house, hey, Matthew. I think you were about to say shit. I was going to say a shit show. <laughs> But then I didn't know about <clears throat> crazy, sexy, fun Bible time. And, uh, <laughs> hey, at least get the title right. <laughs> okay, it's uh, fun, it's sexy wait, Bible time. Fun, sexy Bible time. I've, yeah. And why are fun, you laughing? I mean, that's that's not funny. No, I. <clears throat> this is a serious institution of. Uh, this is a serious media corporation you're running here, and I'm cheapening it with my. All right. You, youthful jesting. Well, let's segue from there into the questions. We have <laughs> Good. Yeah, great. We have, we have a lot of topics to cover today. Good. And uh, you confirm, confirm to the people that I haven't shared any of these with you. 
I, I have no clue what you, I, I you said that you might ask some questions. I figured they'd probably be pretty nonsensical, so I was I was pretty excited for them. But we're How we're about to find out if they are or aren't. How dare you? <laughs> How dare me? Go ahead. All Let's right. Start. I'm going to list some figures of of Christianity for you, and what mm-hmm. I need you to do is tell me during the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> Who dies first and who is the last to survive? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I hope I know all of them. Oh, you'll know. It's the exegeticals. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. So okay. you got who John dies Piper. first and who's the last to survive? Yeah. John Piper, Joel Osteen, Franklin Graham, and Driscoll. Oh, man. This is so interesting. Okay. <laughs> who's the first to die in that group? The first to die, Joel Osteen, Franklin Graham, uh, John Piper, and Mark Driscoll. Yeah. Who's the first to die? Well,. I think that I think probably Driscoll because I think he would just like pick up something that he thought was a weapon and just run outside and you know he'd like find a it'd be like a box of Kleenexes or something it, but it would be just this like this testosterone fueled bravado that just makes him lose it and he'd be like they'd be staying in a room all four of them like in a little house um and trying to figure out who's gonna, what's gonna, who's gonna do what, and Piper would be sort of, you know, I don't know what he would be doing, but uh, right, like reading a, or probably tweeting. <laughs> probably what, are the odds, tweet. what are the odds that we're gonna get a "come at me, bro" from Driscoll? Oh, 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 I think the odds are high. I think the odds are really high. I'm you gonna might, say that eighty-five percent that he yeah, at some point is gonna tell a zombie "come at me, bro." Yeah, I would put it between eighty-five and ninety percent for okay. sure. Um, and I think you're going to hear a flurry of, you know, sort of early 2000s kind of frat boy phrases uh, from Driscoll. I think it's just going to be just a while. And I think you'll hear those. You'll hear him screaming. You know, like you have you heard the oh crap. I once read about a guy who was guillotined and there was, you know, there was all these accounts that even after his head dropped to the ground and. His, his apparently his eyes looked up at his accuser who was standing not very far away and or somebody his betrayer or whatever somebody really screwed him I don't know that's somewhere in the in history maybe some history buff out there is like oh I know that story <laughs> but uh, that's what I think you would hear with Driscoll he would be he would be getting like clawed apart and you'd, his head would be detached and you'd still hear like some just testosterone fuel. I feel like he'd be quoting Limp Biscuit lyrics. Like I feel like he'd just be like shouting. <laughs> Dude, I think we're discovering. I think that's a really interesting. If nobody has yet made the comparison between Mark Driscoll and Limp Biscuit, because dude, there's even the their early facial hair was I mean exactly the same. <clears throat> All right, so wow. who's, the, who's the last? Who's the last well, man standing? I would say Joel Osteen because. He is so well networked, a lot of friends. He'd probably have somebody pick him up in a helicopter, and I just think he would try. He would think to himself, "Oh, I'm gonna bring, you know, whoever is left with him, John Piper and Franklin Graham. I'm gonna bring them with me." And then they, like, while they're waiting for the helicopter, John Piper and Franklin Graham would just start going to town on him, and he'd be in a really nice way. He would uninvite them. From from the helicopter ride. See, I and, can't believe you didn't go Franklin Graham. I just, I, just, I really thought well, you were okay, Franklin okay, Graham. crap, crap. You know what? I was, I'm sorry. I have to apologize. I was not thinking of the exegetical <laughs> version of Franklin Graham. I was, I was thinking of 
who I associate with Franklin Graham, which is the, you know, uncle of one of of one of my friends. So no, you weren't thinking of the of the swaggering no. Alpha Baptist. Yes, that guy. That guy. I think the first thing that guy does is probably like take Osteen out and then just roast him. I mean, feed feed himself and his friends. Yeah, it, it I, but you know what I have to say about Franklin Graham? Maybe this is a sort of character development in the future. I I don't have a sense of maybe how good of a leader he is mm-hmm. or isn't. Is he such a renegade, you know, that he's he's going to just bolt? And I think in the zombie apocalypse, the, the critical question is, are you the type of person who, when you're faced with death, you want to survive on your own and not be responsible for anybody else? And I honestly think there might be a lot of people out there who, when they were really, really faced with that question, they might not even want to be part of a team. Like... You know, and I think maybe that's like a, I don't know, two types of people. One type wants to be part of a team surviving the zombie apocalypse. Because I watch, like, Walking Dead, and I'm like, dude, if that was my choices of people to survive with, they're all just, I, I wouldn't do it. I would I would go off on my own, for sure, if that was my choice. But if there was interesting people and we could have some fun conversations while we're trying to survive the zombie apocalypse, then I would stay with that group. I'm sorry, did that answer get too long? <laughs> Listen, man. This is this is your world. You just do you. No, man. I'm trying to put myself mentally in the backwoods of Alabama. I've spent I've spent time there. I tell you that every time we talk. But so I I do feel like I'm with you right now in okay. your world. Next important topic. Great. Another question. Rank the flavors of Jolly Ranchers and be prepared to defend your answer. It's been a while since I've um, taken the train to Jolly Rancher flavor world. Um, I, I Watermelon was, I remember, you know, third or fourth grade, there was one, we would go to music class, and when you're in music class, for some reason, the teacher gave everybody one Jolly Rancher every day. Mm-hmm. Don't know why that was, but I would trade the shirt off my back for Watermelon. Every this podcast time. is over. Is it? This podcast is done. Don't tell yeah. me. Just, just it will definitely be over on my end <laughs> if you tell me that your favorite flavor is grape. No, grape is like a middle of the pack for me. My, okay. for some reason, I've always liked the citrus flavor Jolly Ranchers. Like lemon, lemon is my favorite of all time. There's lemon and lime, right? Uh, uh not that I know of. I think it's just lemon. Okay, there's there's some uh, secondary flavors like raspberry lemonade, things like that. Oh, yeah. I can't keep track of all the new flavors. Do you like, like any of the spinoff Jolly Rancher stuff? What? Like, uh, well, don't they have like Jolly Rancher, I don't know, like chewable Jolly Rancher? Yeah, they've got those. Like, I think like Jolly Rancher gummy beans or something. Or yeah. Something like jelly beans, I mean. Yeah. Or, I don't I, know. I'd... Yeah, Jolly Rancher jelly beans. That's right. That's what they have. Um, Not bad. I, I, I like the original Jolly Ranchers the best, probably. Yeah. See, Jolly Rancher, to me, is more about the texture that it is, because nothing else is, like, nothing sticks to the wrapper quite like, mm-hmm. you know, a Jolly Rancher does. Like, so, to me, I just associate it really with the consistency of the candy, less so than, like, the f- spectrum of flavors. Where do you stand on Apple Jolly Ranchers? A very divisive flavor. Oh, that, that's the green one. That's what the yeah. green one is. Um I was I was trying to figure it out because yeah that is divisive but I do like that one actually. 
Yeah, that's, it's it's kind of like good. a like a red wine. Like you, you kind of have Ooh. to be in the mood for an apple jelly rancher. I think that's a great. Yeah, it's got the kind of bite that you know a good. I don't know. I, I mean, it kind of tastes like feet. Or, like let's just yeah, be it's got a, it's got a feet aftertaste. <laughs> like a like a sweaty foot. Uh, the apple ones do. Yeah, I have to think about that more specifically next time I have one. I thought, yeah, that's that's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right, speaking of Jolly Ranchers, what is the largest animal that you feel you could defeat in hand-to-hand combat? Mm, dude, this is a great question. No I, weapons. No weapons. And oh, not no necessarily, weapons. this is important, not necessarily to the death. Like, okay. let's, let's take the, a wolf, for example. Say a wolf attacked you. Do you feel you could fight the wolf to the point where the wolf would run away, at which point you would win the, the conflict. First off, I would like to say that when you ask this question, I think about not the recent movie, The Revenant, which I still haven't seen, but I heard is outstanding. Mm-hmm. I don't think about the bear fight scene in that. That's not how I approach questions of mm-hmm. you know, self-defense. I don't think about these like survival stories. I, what I think about is one of my favorite martial artists, um, and I discovered this guy in my junior year of high school. Um, it was Carmen. right when I was starting martial arts, and so he really hit home with me. Are we His talking name... about Carmen? No. Okay. <laughs> no, but that's that's close. Tony Ja. He's a Thai. He's a Thai uh, martial artist. Yeah, I know who he is. Muay Thai. You know Tony Ja? Okay, yeah. He was actually recently in the Fast and the Furious films, but for a long time. Nobody knew who he was. That's how much of a hipster I am. Mm-hmm. I knew about him long before anybody did. And he did this movie called The Protector. And in it, he sort of like imita- He shows that Muay Thai has all these different ways of imitating animals and the like fight stances and stuff. And so, you know, there's like crane, elephant. There's crane, obviously, is like a whole style of uh, kung fu, I think. Or something. Um, but anyway, so all like that idea of animal fighting, I think, is really... That's a really great question. Um, all that's just a way for me to compliment the question. Uh, and I would like to say that, you, you, can you repeat the part about the wolves? Because I really wanted to get to that, and then you started talking about other stuff. What was the, what was the what, what is the largest animal that you feel like you could defeat in hand-to-hand combat? But just largeness or, yeah, like or fierceness? Fierce? It, yes, kind of, both. Okay, 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 okay. I think I, I would not want to mess with any sort of feline that's big because cats move in a way that humans can't really grasp intuitively. I feel like dog type characters. Could you defeat a bobcat with your, with your karate skills? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I think they've got too many weapons coming at you. They've got four. You got to think about it. Like they've got four bladed weapon sources that have five separate blades each. And yeah, they have a mouth. I feel like you don't have enough self confidence there. I, I really feel like you could defeat a bobcat in hand to hand combat. I don't know how big bobcats are, to be honest. I know that I think there's some here and there in the areas that I live. But yeah, they're not big. I mean, we're talking okay. like you know the size. Dude, of them. cats are crazy. Have you ever scared a house cat and seen it jump directly straight up? No, they can I jump mean, like directly five feet up in the air. It's no, just I'm a, nuts. I'm a, Jake, I'm a Christian. I'm a dog person. Oh, yeah. I mean, I figured, but I, that's why, I mean, <laughs> I don't trust cats, man. I just, they they do scare me. But a bobcat, maybe I could take. So I feel like going into a fight with a cat, you're already at a disadvantage because you've got this phobia of cats. Well, 
That's probably true. I should think about that. So let's say you were jogging and a mountain lion jumped mm. out at you. I mean, it's pretty. I mean, judging from your tone of voice, like it's pretty much over for you at that point. I don't think I, you have the confidence. I might to just fight. lay down, play dead, because I think that's what would probably be best with a cat. To be honest. I don't know that going at a cat is ever going to be to your advantage. See, I disagree. I disagree with the mountain lion thing. I think if you can stay upright, I just don't think there's a whole lot that a mountain lion can do to you. Like wow. a mountain lion has to have you on the ground to get wow. your neck. That's that might be true. Yeah. For me, like my plan of defense against a mountain lion. But you're a tall guy, so what I, you're saying is I'm you're going to use your height. Individual. I just feel like a. A a mountain lion could easily get my throat from from where it is. It might not be able to reach yours, but mine, it could just. <clears throat> yeah, because mountain lions do attack joggers in the West, you know, really? fairly regularly. No way. And, you know, a lot of times the joggers will be able to, to fight. Gosh, them that's. Off. Like, if I already thought of like 12 excuses to never jog again, but that's the 13th and mm-hmm. the best. Mm hmm. Because that, why would, why? why would you would rather we... fight a mountain lion or a black bear? Wow, that's, that's a tough, well, okay, if, if, I would say mountain lion just because that sounds more common than a black bear. Now, we got to differentiate between, we're not talking grizzly bears, we're not talking okay. about the bear that mauled Leonardo. Okay, okay, what are we talking about? Black bear is the smaller version, um, uh-huh. Little more docile, not not nearly as aggressive. The only time I saw a wild bear was when I think I told this story one time on Theology After Dark, maybe. But I was in L.A. and I saw just a bear uh, when I was walking out to my car in the like the desert hills of Pasadena. It was like suburban area. I was at a friend's house and I walked out to my car and this bear just took off running. And I was like, "What?" But that one, actually, I would rather fight that bear. And I don't know what kind that would be in Pasadena. You could look that up, I guess. Probably like a brown bear or something. Isn't that what California's state flag has on it? It's like a bear of some sort. But anyway, I would have fought that bear, I think, over like a really scary-looking cat, feline-type predator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the bear thing, though, is they're, they really, they're going to outweigh you. So you got to yeah. take that into account. But dude. My my I, my brother was is a big guy. Um, he's like run half marathons recently, so he's a lot. He used to be he was like a offensive tackle at um, Southeast Missouri State University, and he was a big dude. And I'm not a big dude, so I just grew up wrestling with my brother and have, getting in fights with my brother. And he was a big dude, so I always have had probably a cockiness when it comes to like fighting. You know bigger dudes it's the it's the felines that i'm scared of man Mm. it's the felines okay all right well speaking of felines of the (laughs) of the remaining presidential candidates Uh uh-huh this of the candidates so i think there's five left right i hope yeah go ahead six maybe yeah of the remaining candidates Mm. which would make the best youth pastor Oh, that's a great question. You have to defend your answer because I will okay. attack it if it is if it great. if, I if it's it. the wrong one. Correct. Um, do okay. Wait, can I ask a clarifying question? <laughs> sure. Um, is this a church that is this like is this the church that I 
that that I would like to go to, or is this just who would sort of fit best with the? Let's say you're model? the you're the senior pastor, and it is your job to appoint one of the presidential candidates. Okay, so you got to consider that my church is probably just a little bit different from other churches, you know. Um, but I would say that the best choice would be. Um, 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 man, this is such a hard question. Well, not Republic. It doesn't have to. I mean, okay. So you I'm got so let's, let's walk through. You got Hillary. You got okay. Bernie. You got Trump. You okay. got Cruz, Rubio, and Kasich. I don't think Hillary would be great. <laughs> Just purely, you know, and it's probably not the reason you're thinking, but purely from a technological standpoint, she she couldn't even put a PowerPoint presentation together. And a youth pastor these days is really, I mean, at most churches, unless they've got such a stupid budget that they have creative directors and all that bullshit. But if they just have a youth pastor, he's got to be kind of the media guy of the whole church. I mean, he's got to be the creative vivacity. And I just think, I mean, Hillary would probably come in and have a pretty strong, I mean, she, she can make some interesting points you know, she's probably not a bad speaker. Um, I do think the kids would listen to Hillary. You think so, I, dude? Yeah, uh, I'm asking. I'm asking. You do? I think the kids would listen to Hillary. Yeah. Um, no, I think they would hate her, <laughs> uh, as they currently do. Uh, so yeah, that probably wouldn't be good for a lot of reasons. But the technology piece is the is the first. Like, no, sorry, that's not going to work. All right, Bernie. Bernie, are you taking Bernie then? No, I I don't think I would. I think that you know, um, if I was the senior pastor, I don't I don't think I could keep a guy like that. I mean, he, he, it would be it would be hard um, from a from a. <laughs> I, don't know, I feel like he would he he would be too obsessed with church finances and <laughs> the allocation of funds. <laughs> it would be really difficult to uh stay above board um in his in his sort of understanding of how we should structure our finances. So okay. maybe as church treasurer, you pastor, you pastor Ted Cruz, are you buying or selling? You know, frankly, let's <laughs> Can we come back to him? Because we'll I might have him. something. Yeah, I might have something nice to say. Go. Okay. So Trump and Rubio and Trump, Kasich. Rubio and Kasich. Okay. Um, okay. So Trump. Trump would Trump be a good youth pastor? I think that he is too entrepreneurial. Um, churches can really only handle one uh, really highly entrepreneurial type. And um, I think that, you know, because what what entrepreneurs do is they take risks with other people's capital oftentimes. And a church can really, you know, just because typically you attract a lot of conservative temperaments. So you're you're not going to be okay as a church making multiple high risk bets in these different spaces. Uh, So I think that Trump would probably lead to a pretty kind of devastating church split of some sort i hear Uh what you're saying yeah your opinions Uh uh-huh you're completely wrong okay trump would be the most incredible youth pastor (laughs) my argument was pretty interesting can you imagine what his lock-ins would be like oh his oh that that is he would have like who would he like he would have like you know he would reunite dc talk oh just for like a their endorsement dude i mean 
Bachan. Like he'd bring in, he'd fly in DC Talk, have them provide. None of the kids would know who they are, but he would just do it just because he could. What, what 90s Christian artist, if they came out and said, Trump, I want to support you, which one would Trump be like, yeah, okay, get up here next to me on stage? Well, he wouldn't know who any of them are, but I feel like he would really get Nobody broke through enough that he they would have his attention? I just don't feel like he would, was paying attention to 90s okay. Christian music. But right, that's true. That's I feel true. like he'd really get along well with Carmen. Okay, why do you think that? Well, I mean, to be honest, so Carmen is sort of my default answer for anything. But is Carmen still alive, just real quick? I'm sorry that I asked that. That's insensitive. This podcast is over. <laughs> is he? What? Does, doesn't he? I mean, like, we're hey, in true the... story. True story. Carmen came... Does he have a social for... media account? Does he have Twitter? Carmen uh, came uh, to within, like, 10 miles of my house for a concert. And... What? Like, a long time? It was, time. like, just very, very recently. No... And um, I had got in touch with his um, his management and said, hey, let me interview this guy. You know, I have like this, you know, small to moderate audience online of, you yeah. know, 20 something, 30 something Christians. You know, they would love if I did an interview with Carmen and they just did, didn't want to hear it. And no. I mean, I would have gone up there and like interviewed him during the I mean, before or after the concert or whatever. And um, they just kind of blew it off. So I, I, I didn't go see him. So. Wow, but I've seen him. I've, I've seen him a few times, so. dude. I bet if you were like, a, if you would have pretended to be like a small Christian radio station, like, hey, I, I represent, you know, North East or whatever part of Alabama you're in, a huge region, and uh, basically, we would like to promote your concert show. Um, you would have to really play a character to get them to agree to that. I do, I, I, They're not like, oh, what I, are you like, son? I enjoy your uh, your your fake Alabama accent. Almost. Could you combine that with your Scott Staff and give me like a like a fake Alabama Scott Staff? <laughs> no, I don't think I can. I don't know if I can get the accent through. Even floor. <laughs> How are y'all doing? There we go. There we go. There we go. That know. works. All right. Good enough. <clears throat> okay, so, so I'm I'm voting Trump. You're left with Rubio, Cruz, and Kasich for what? definitely not Rubio. Rubio <laughs> is a youth pastor currently. Exactly. He's every youth pastor currently. Who's who? He's the youth pastor who's in that awkward phase. Like he's in the sort of awkward vetting process as to, oh, are we going to let him be our next senior pastor? And that's currently what that how he much, is. How much that, would that dude sweat having to face down a room of teenagers? It would be like not. It would be like me on the dating scene, like in two thousand. Like there's I mean, nonstop sweat. I think he's just really not resilient. Well, I don't know if that's true. I, I don't want to speculate. I was going to say not resilient to criticism. And as a youth pastor, you have to be really kind of anti fragile. And you, I think you just have to have such a strong personal sense of style as a youth pastor because kids are just coming to you with all of this insecurity about their style so they will eat you alive if you can't kind of hold your own in that situation so uh, that is why i think trump might be a strong candidate but honestly that's why i think cruz would be the strongest youth pastor candidate he's got a strong personal sense of style did you see the whole thing (laughs) about something and i hate to bring this up because it's kind of like it's kind of this awkward side of stuff that I wish wasn't, but like he had something on his mouth or something in a debate. Did you see that? No, I did not see. Literally, I... there was like there was some kind of something on his lip, and 
Like, it's there in one shot, and it's very noticeable, and he's talking, and there's just something weird on his lip. And then, like, the next shot, it's not there. Anyway, it's it's gross, kind of, but you can look it up. And it's also just kind of lame that, like, people pick up on that stuff or whatever. But the fact is, like, they did, and Cruz is still going strong. And what I'm saying is, as a youth pastor, you it's the point I just made. You have to be able to be insulted to your core and just kind of survive. That's I yeah. I will now, go halfway Cruz, with you. Uh, okay, Cruz. And, and this is this is where I'm. I think I think Cruz would be Cruz would be like that one youth pastor who is like super duper popular with the middle school kids oh, just because it's so, so goofy. Smart. But like the high school kids and the and the adults like are just thoroughly confused by him, and like yes. he doesn't fit in with the high school kids. Doesn't fit in with the adults. But he's got this stronghold with the geeky middle schoolers yeah. who have flooded the youth group. And wow, dude, that's beautiful. So I guess also what it comes down to is which youth pastor, well, which presidential candidate as a youth pastor would you trust to go talk to a 16-year-old about not watching porn on their iPhone? <laughs> like, like what? Probably Trump would handle that with the most... With the most uh, I don't know the most class or the most something. Uh, he'd work in like, a, like some kind of reference to like the size of his penis, or or, or his daughter, um, <laughs> something weird. Uh, you know about that, like you said, oh, yeah. one point something oh, yeah. weird. <clears throat> I love it. Yeah, I who would I trust to talk to my kid about not looking? Hillary Clinton would probably do a pretty solid job of that. She, yeah, she might. she's she's got she's more moralistic than. She gets credit for. I just, I, I, uh-huh. I'm okay with disqualifying her on the basis of she doesn't drive. Like I read somewhere where she hasn't driven a car in like no. ten or fifteen years. I mean, dude, you got to drive the church bus. You got to be on. able to drive the church bus to the camp, to no, youth dude, camp, dude. church van. I mean, church I, van. I never really was. I never went to a big enough church to have a bus, but we had a lot of church vans, and they were contentious, deacon debates about that my dad talks about the most disillusioning moment in church for him was when he had to sit through like a 45 minute conversation about ford versus chevy for the new uh church van and one of the guys who was promoting it to be a chevy owned a local chevrolet dealer so it's like wait a second so basically it was a baptist church is that what it was baptist yeah yeah i grew up southern baptist yeah that's that's my cross I carry. <laughs> you think if Southern Baptists could figure out a way to put gravy in communion cups, do you think they'd do it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's not a great interview question because it's a yes or no answer. But yes, I I think they would absolutely do that. What would they do with it? Would be a better well, they question. Drink it. They're Southern Baptists. They'd- Right. <laughs> they No, that'd be great. I wish they would. I wish they would like that would be cuz cuz Baptists are also very frugal. I mean, they're just these frugal rural, you know, American temperaments and so you would get like this. The 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 what I'm saying is if they ran out of gravy dishes, they would think of putting them in communion cups. Like the old, the grandma would just be like, and as long as it was sort of the old Southern woman, who I really think is like, you know, the Baptist, for as much as they talk about, you know, kind of male leadership uh, a lot of times, 
Oh, sorry, I'm really just going. I'm just going crazy at this point, Matthew. <laughs> uh, but I think that you know, it's everybody's kind of looking to the older woman, the old lady in the Baptist church, to kind of be like, "Hey, is this cool if we do this or not?" And if the old lady was the one who grabbed the communion cups and started pouring gravy in each of them and saying, "You know, we'll put one by each plate. We don't want anybody to get too much gravy." That's why they would do it. Absolutely. Because they wouldn't want some young rascal to come in if they had. They had a problem with homeless people coming in and eating all their gravy. Stealing the they gravy. start apportioning it in communion cups. That's my theory. Hey, gravy ethics. Gravy <laughs> the ethics, ethics of gravy. That's, the, the that the sounds like a, a new Matthew Pierce book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I tweet at Southern Baptist incessantly just to see what they'll do, and like very rarely do they ever respond. Dude, it is interesting. I, I tried to get this Missouri Republican lawmaker – to engage with me a while ago and I just got nothing and I'm like, damn, are these people really smarter than I think they are? Like they won't they won't let me freaking and they are. They're they're all getting smart. I mean they read yeah, they they've you know, they've all scared each other with don't ever do anything on social media that could get you in trouble. So Yeah, I think who was it that uh, one of the Southern Baptist guys had like just announced that he was running for president? Was it J D Greer? Was that who it was? Running for president of the Southern Baptist. Yeah, and I tweeted him that uh, I, t- I tweeted something at him to the effect of, "Just don't forget the fried chicken tribute to the uh, to the outgoing president." <laughs> but, but you just you just can't rope these guys in. It's like they no. like wait, wait, they never uh, engage Zach. Dude, this is this is going to be funny to capture. But I forget who JD Greer is and. I think if he is who I think he is, I think I interviewed him at Liberate last year. There's these lost Liberate tapes. Yeah, that's definitely who I interviewed. I just looked up a picture of him. Um, anyway, I did this interview with him, and their Liberate has them. I, I kind of don't want to go public with this, but the old Liberate has those tapes, and there's all these files, and I did an interview with Steve Brown, Paul Zoll, like Elise Fitzpatrick, Jessica Thompson, all these different people, and they... I try. I it was really an awkward situation because I tried to go like uh, I tried to just go. I wanted to just do like podcast content. But what about Jan Crouch? Did you score the Jan Crouch? No, but I did get to hang out over this past summer with uh, with her husband's Matt Crouch, right? Matt, is that his name? No, that's her son. Her, Who's her, her husband was Paul Crouch, and he passed away. He's dead. Yeah, Matt Crouch, her son. That's who I spent some time with over the last summer, and. <laughs> Do you want to hear something crazy? I don't really care at this point. I'm just going to say everything. <laughs> but a serious podcast, Jake. He, he looked at me and he goes, "I don't. I can't remember the context. It was. It was not. He's. He was a really cool guy. I really thought he was a really charismatic, interesting guy. But at one point, while we're sitting and talking, he looks at me and he goes, "I oversee more than a billion dollars in paid for assets." And I was just like, "What? <laughs> like, holy smokes, man!" Anyway. Hopefully that doesn't get picked up and put. <laughs> and I was like, "Geez!" And then I got on TBN's website and I was like, "Why is it so shitty?" It really <laughs> it's is. So bad. It's like an angel it's so fire. Bad. I'm like, dude, sell one of your jets and get a new website. <laughs> Come on. Anyway, it's like a uh, it's like one of those uh, MySpace profile pages with like the glittery backgrounds. You remember those? Yeah, dude, that's exactly what it is. And I guess those, like, you know, those rural Pentecostals who just love the hell out of TBN are, ooh, that's a good phrase, love the hell out of TBN, um, just because, you know, 
they love it so much that they don't see the hell that's coming from it. Hey, but, listen, uh, you don't have to defend your punchlines to me. Uh, <laughs> you just, I do for myself. I'm doing it for my own conscience. conscience. To solve my conscience is why I defend myself. <clears throat> All right. Well, Jake, I know you got to go. Uh, so why don't you tell the people uh, what you're working on right now and where they can find you on uh, on the interwebs? Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Okay, so uh, one thing I'm excited about is that local newspaper thing that I've been playing with. It's uh, it's called St. Francis Herald. Um, St. Francis is the county that I'm from. And so um, we're trying to kind of compete with this local newspaper just for fun, sort of. But we also want to just create a lot of content for everybody who lives kind of, you know, in places like you and I live, these like rural kind of areas. So there's a lot of I'm putting a lot of my current focus on that uh, project a little bit. I mean, um, Theology After Dark, Rich and I are going to get back. And I hope that everybody can um, come hang out. And I hope we can have you come back on Theology After Dark soon. And then I can mess with you. And only, you can if be in my world. About, only if we can talk about gravy ethics. Oh, dude, yeah. We'll do a whole, we'll do a whole episode on gravy ethics. <laughs> That'll be right. our that'll be our next episode of Theology After Dark. Well, tell the people where they I can, can find can, you on uh, on Twitter. Yeah, so at Jacob Goff, J C O B G O F F, as in F as in Frank. Sometimes I say G O F F, and like I'll get a piece of mail to G O S S Jacob Goss, and that's not who I am. Jacob Goss sounds <laughs> like a uh, like an SS commander from World War II. <laughs> Jacob Goss. <laughs> Ich bin Jakob Goss. Ich habe keine... <clears throat> I, don't, I can't speak German. Can, uh, I, can I get a little uh, Scott Stapp German? <laughs> Let me think of something. <laughs> ich liebe dich. That means I love you in German. Hey, I cannot think of a better way to wrap this podcast <laughs> up with... Dude, thank you so much. This was so much German fun. Scott Stapp. Alright, Jake. Thanks for coming on. And we will talk uh, to you again, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, Matt. You think if Southern Baptists could figure out a way to put gravy in communion cups, do you think they'd do it? (laughs) 